Hello. Hey, Duncan. How are you, mate? Hello. I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, you good? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. Hello, I'm Steve Joel, and welcome to my podcast, 40K Game Changers, in which we get to know the people who have changed the way we play or build or read or, today, paint Warhammer 40,000. Um, so listen, the way, um, I'm going to assume you haven't heard any of the episodes so far, but the way the way that it works is I'll do an intro, we'll do the big intro, and then we'll just chat about you for a while. And um, mm-hmm. and I, okay. prom- I promise to not ask you anything you don't know the answer to. Uh, okay. <laughs> in case you haven't already worked it out from the show titles and his very familiar voice, my guest today is the amazing Duncan Rhodes. A little further along in this episode, I'm going to ask him a very direct question this comes up so often on Facebook what's the best brush <laughs> the best brush yeah uh, yeah or do you not want oh, to say <laughs> that one's a piece of string this episode of 40k game changes is brought to you by the frontline gaming network home to some amazing content a lot of it brand new as well. Make sure to download the all-new Signals from the Frontline with Seth, Shelby and Kicker. I'm loving this show at the moment. The whole week is covered with programs that preview and then review tournaments. Shows that cover releases and have great guests. Val and Peter back with 40K Stat Centre as well. All of it on the Frontline Gaming Network. Okay, you've waited long enough, so let's get on with this show. He was the face of Games Workshop from around 2013 until not very long ago. He quickly became best known for his painting videos and the catchphrase, Two Thin Coats. When he confirmed the rumour that he was leaving GW, it basically broke the 40k internet and in the time since, he's amassed 184,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. He is, of course, Duncan Rhodes. Good morning. Thanks, mate, for joining us. How are you? Hello. Hello. I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. I'm excited <laughs> about this. You, you know, the, I want to say thank you before we get started. Thank you for helping me paint Mag- Magnus's wings and Dark Eldar skin and so many other things that I've called upon you for. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Oh, yeah, Magnus was a good one. I enjoyed doing those wings with the uh, with the dry brushing effects. But, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the thank you for the lovely intro. That was very kind of you. <laughs> I do have to say that uh, I feel a, a little abashed. It's uh, it's myself and my friend Roger. We're the ones working on it, so it's not really me that's made the channel of loads. It's I was working together. Right. Um, Fair enough. So, yeah, I'm always keen to, for people to to know. It's not just me. I don't want to steal all the glory. <laughs> no, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. And isn't that, isn't that you actually come across as just this lovely guy who's doing something he enjoys. But we'll get to that. Um, I just think it's an extraordinary resource. When I can, all the way on the other side of the world, I'll go in and buy a miniature. And when I talk about painting it to the guys in the G-Dub store here, they're amazing. And then one of the things they do is say, watch Duncan's video. <laughs> isn't, isn't that amazing that? That all the way over there you're doing these videos, and all the way over here you're teaching me to paint. It's a very, very strange world. I think we find ourselves in these days. Yeah, yeah. And the old timers <laughs> and the hobby never, was... never had this kind of, never had this resource to call on. Yeah. Well, back when I was starting out, there was nothing like this. You just had the little um, occasional guides in White Dwarf, and yeah. there was the little getting started booklet where it would show these four stages, and you look at the last stage and go, "How on earth did you get there?" Yeah, yeah, that's right. It all seems so easy. So, listen, Mm -hmm. you you got into painting uh, young. Dad, your dad introduced you to Warhammer around 11 years old, is my understanding. 
well, my dad really introduced me into model airplanes when I was little. Um, and, you know, I, I, he had model trains. And so I kind of grew up with model trains and things. So I always liked making kits and making models and, you know, airplanes and stuff. And um, I got into sci-fi through Star Wars. And one day we were in a model shop and I was just looking for a new model kit, um, like a Spitfire or something. I don't know. Um, but there was a little Warhammer display in the model shop. And this is just in a, a shop in the middle of nowhere in Derbyshire. And, um, you know, very small little quaint place it was really nice i used to love going places like that to explore and see what you could find yeah yeah they had some warhammer stuff and they had a little free takeaway leaflets which was what you got back in the second edition 40k box game of how to play that explained you know um like some space marines versus some gretchen and they'd have at it and i was like oh my oh these these look amazing (laughs) they look like a combination of darth vader and stormtroopers and those are awesome so i want some of these and my dad says that he thinks that there was a games workshop in Derby and next weekend he took me there to go and investigate it. And yeah, he bought me a box of Space Marines and some uh, some black paint, some white paint and a fine detail brush. <laughs> and off I went. <laughs> the, fine de- the great fine detail brush. And, and was Dad yeah. much of a painter? Was he able to sort of teach you the basics? He sort of knew like, you know, the, the putting the paint on the model and not putting on too thickly and things. When it came to the nuance of it and stuff, he, he was only very... Um, passive because back when we paint these model airplanes it was just a case of you know putting on some gray paint and some green paint and there we go yeah um but he and i used to look at the cabinet in the shop and wonder how on earth um people got that detail in the models because you know the, the games workshop derby had some beautiful cabinets and yeah we'd look at these figures and be like yeah how do you do that how have they painted the eyes on those space marines and things um and he, even like when i was working in the studio i remember my dad would say like looking white dwarf and they'd be a um he went told me one time he went into um a uh h smith which is like a, a newspaper retailer kind of place and you find them in train stations and he'd see white dwarf in the rack and he'd have a look and i'd be in it and the models <laughs> and stuff and he'd be saying to me i remember back when you were really little and we were looking at the cabinets wondering how on earth to do it and now you're painting this stuff and showing people how to <laughs> it, it was um it, it's very strange to have kind of gone through the process i don't <laughs> think he thought of it as a real job until i started appearing in the magazine (laughs) (laughs) there must have been a a lot of pride for him in seeing you like because seeing someone in print for a certain generation does make it real it makes it legitimate so he must have been really Mm. proud that that you were that you had got that far yeah oh i I think so i hope so (laughs) i like to think so yeah um i i know he's um he's proud of uh making the step out into going my own way you know going with roger to run this business yeah um he said he said to me back when i, I first first told him that it was what i was thinking of doing he, i thought um you're like oh you want to stay working with a company um but he was like wow i always wished i could try something like that that sounds amazing <laughs> isn't that great isn't that great so, to have that support yeah yeah so yeah, yeah um so back in the day uh, the the store that you mentioned in derby this was your i want to say your first job one of your first jobs you actually ended up working in that store Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And actually, the guy who employed me was the guy who sold me those space marines back when I first went in. <laughs> Isn't that great? Um, small world. Eh? He still works the Games Workshop. He's an absolutely lovely guy. Right. I hope if he's listening to this, he knows who he is. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of my journey in the hobby is because of him being there. Um, but uh, he, yeah, um, I when I turned 18, I was looking for a summer job. And I had a placement in university to go and study archaeology. And um, I, yeah, I was, like I say, I was looking for this summer job. And I went into Games Workshop and I'd sort of lapsed a little bit. But I met Chris Peach there. And um, we had a game and he was he was like, oh, you've got the right sort of personality for doing this kind of thing. Have you thought about working here? Like, oh, OK. <laughs> wow. Um, so, yeah, I applied for the job and I managed to get it. Um, and I, whilst I wasn't that hot on the rules or anything like that, I was certainly really keen. And, you know, I just wanted to 
get involved and share this hobby with people. Um, so I was very lucky to be around those people, I think. What was your first army that you, that you uh, back in those days, that you got into? Oh, the very first one I did was Space Marines, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this was my own homebrew chapter, which we ended up doing a painting video for, actually, a few months ago. Um, at the time, I called them the Imperial Skulls. Because uh, <laughs> on my transfers, I had these skull symbols, and so I kind of used them on one shoulder. And uh, this lightning bolt symbol on the other. And it just started evolving over time. And these, day I, these days, I call them Void Knights. But um, I've not painted that colour scheme for an army for so long, not since I was 13 or so. Right. Right. Um, people keep telling me I should paint them now uh, as a current rendition of them, but I've always got something else I have to do. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but one day it'd be fun to do yeah. that. Actually, there's. Oh, I wanted to touch on that maybe later on, but you've brought it up, so I'll mention it now. That uh, it's funny that uh, you know there's this there's this well known phenomenon that a person who is a builder for a living often mm. has uh, jobs undone around the house, and uh, I know a, a guy mm. who's a plumber for a living, and he just doesn't ever get around to fixing his his own shower. Is that is that the same for you that you you paint for a living you, these models? Do you have unpainted? Do you have a pile of shame at home? Oh yeah! Oh, oh good lord! Yeah, okay. <laughs> so many things. And I feel horrifically guilty about it, but because I'm exposed to all these models all the time, yeah. Um, there's so many things that catch my interest, and I'm a real um, you know hobby butterfly, I guess you'd call it. I keep sort of flittering from one project to the other, and things have grabbed my in my interest. I'm like, oh yeah, that's really cool, and I'll be doing painting that thing. And something else is like shiny off in the corner. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. I have to fight not to get drawn onto that other thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've got lots of half-finished and unfinished things. I've got lots of finished projects, certainly. Of course, sure. Um, <laughs> and they get kind of boxed away, but there's so many other things that, the, the the mountain is huge and yeah there's a lot of things a lot of things yeah it's, it's always it's uh, it's nice to know though that you have the same thing that the rest of us have that the new shiny thing you mm -hmm. go and get it and you want it and but that there's still mm -hmm. unfinished stuff at home but do you there oh, must yeah. be and days then, there must be days where you get home from work and the last thing you want to do is pick up a paintbrush again oh yeah yeah that definitely happens but not as often as you might think and right. um, just because i really enjoy it and I, i'm always careful to make sure that what i do for my stuff is different to what we're doing from work and there's occasional things where it's like an unusual coincidences which i suppose actually has happened now um last week we did a video on doing the africa core and um, it just so happens that some friends and i uh, started dipping our toe into flames of war right and one of them really wanted to do italians in northern africa so i was like oh okay the one wants to do british okay i'll do germans so i just so happened to be painting but even you know, africa core for myself at the same time as the the academy but it's a different scale so there's still a difference there yeah. and i always find having that separation helps keep it fresh for me yeah um, yeah and yeah. Yeah, I, that's, I also, I suppose that's why it sort of justifies me to keep fluttering from one thing to another because I want to enjoy myself and I don't want it to feel like a, a punishment or anything. Of course. But, you know, you can very easily just encounter, um, like, so we've got a forum on our site and um, there's a group on there who are doing, um, we're all challenging each other to paint a new thing for the end of lockdown. So I'm doing these Flames of War models for that. And there's one guy on there who's new to the site and he's like, oh yeah, I'm working on some Scottish Covenanters, which if you're not aware are the Scots during the English Civil War. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I started doing an English Civil War thing. Those were some really nice miniatures and Perry miniatures. Oh, I could dig out those guys with handguns and start painting those again. Before you know it, it's not even a new thing, but it's still distracting me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be really fun to do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm terrible for it. <laughs> Isn't it? Well, it's kind of it's, – it's strangely reassuring to know. And it's, um, mm -hmm. it's funny that uh, you, you bring up Peachy right at the – so right at the start of your working at Games Workshop, like just in the store – you you mm. already had an association with Peachy at that point. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was. Um, I actually um, did meet him before he knew who I was. Um, he doesn't really remember it, but I was kind of getting back into the hobby and I was going to get some Chaos Space Marines. And um, I was looking through the codex that they had on the shelf trying to work out which Legion I was going to paint. And um, I'd heard of the word bearers back from the old Chaos Gate video game. I was like, oh, yeah, I could do word bearers. They'd be pretty cool. And I had a chat with him. And at the time, he had a goatee and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> And uh, I was like, oh, I was thinking of word bearers. And he didn't know who they were. And then all the stuff started get, gathering around the book going. And they weren't in the book, weirdly. And um, we were like, none of them knew who the word bearers were. <laughs> and it, yeah, then so many months later, I came back in the store and I had this army painted. And yeah, we had a game of his Imperial Guard against my word bearers. Wow. We had a great time. We really hit it off. Um, we really did. And so he's always been a presence for me. Um, it's quite weird that most of my friends I've met through Games Workshop in one way or another. And, you know, even though I don't work there anymore, I still have connections to these people. Of course. Um, yeah. They're wonderful people. They really are. Peachy is absolutely one of the best people I know. So let's uh, let's go back to how you um, – how you. I know you, you sort of went away from Games Workshop and did other stuff, and then how you got back into, you know, working at HQ. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I was working in retail, and I ended up leaving because it was kind of the, all right, got to grow up, don't go and get a real job. Okay. So I ended up working in an office and um, I was doing administration tasks and things. It was like this office where they were um, selling like um, gas control, central heating controllers and things like that. And um, weirdly, I'm pretty sure I sent one of the control units to Games Workshop because it's on the wall in where the miniature studio is now. I remember <laughs> seeing that on the wall and thinking, I've probably posted this here. Yeah. That was weird. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was working there for a while, but it wasn't very fulfilling, even though it paid better. And then Peachy, meanwhile, he'd gone from working as the manager in Games Workshop Derby. He'd gone to working in Warhammer World, then got a job in the studio with what they called the hobby team. And they were about painting armies and things for various different purposes and publications and things. And um, he got in touch with me saying, oh, they're looking for another person. I think you'd fit this role really well. Um, so I applied for it, not really expecting much of it, but I managed to get it. And I mean, on the they have all the applicants in on a kind of interview day and they give you challenges and things. And they, one of the painting challenges, I really didn't do very well on it, but apparently I did quite well with the actual interview with the boss. So right. they gave me a shot and I managed to do it. So, yeah, but I suddenly found myself working in HQ, seeing all the unreleased stuff being like, you know, goggle eyed, looking at all these things like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that must have been like a little bit of a pinch yourself, because I feel even for yeah. even I'm like, I'm I'm a much older man. But even the idea of working at Games Workshop just seems so cool. It would be a cool thing. Mm, yeah, it's um, it's a very bizarre thing. I mean, eventually it becomes a job. You yeah, know, you do have to take yeah. approach it and you have good days and you have bad days. Um, but it is a real luxury to be able to work with something that you're interested in, um, because I know lots of people who work in all sorts of different fields and things. And um, a common thing is that they, they do the job for the money and um, it's soulless to them. And I kind of always thought to myself, it must be, you know, it, it, it must be really lucky for me to be able to go to work and the thing I'm spending my time on, even if it's on a, a thing I'm not so interested in, at least it's in the field I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's a real, um, real joy to be able to do that thing. So it's easy to forget it when you're doing it every day. Um, but yeah, it's a cool place. And what was really nice as well was to meet these people who I'd known through the magazine and stuff over the years. And um, you kind of quickly realise that they don't like people being starstruck when going to meet them. Um, Dave Andrews, for example, um, who uh, sculpted lots of miniatures when I was growing up and things, and would do lots of projects and things. Meeting him because he was working in my department. He was such a um, an example of the kind of person I wanted to be. So, like, um, 
calm and rational and thoughtful and creative and all these things. So that was wonderful. Ali Morrison as well. He's hilarious. He was wonderful to meet and, you know, get on with him. And meeting the Perry twins as well. I was dead shy about meeting the Perrys because I loved all the ninjas. Yeah. The Perry twins are so sort of uh, iconic in terms of what Rick Priestley was one of the people we talked to, uh, you know, as part of the series. And mm. um, he's a he's a lovely guy, and he was he talked about the Perry twins. Weirdly, also, I think he went to study archaeology or something similar. He was oh yeah, oh, that, wow. was, that was his <laughs> university geek. He went off to study archaeology. Anyway, um, wow. so so you're in you're at Games Workshop, and you're working on things like White Dwarf, and you know various projects. And there's a small team of you mm. doing this. Uh, is mm. I heard a story that you got the TV gig when that came along, partly because you were able to jump at the chance, but also partly because of your <laughs> clean, slender fingers. Is that true? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Kind of a few things came together for that. Um, I'm, so when I was doing the the hobby team stuff, um, and even in, uh, back in retail, my favourite part was always kind of trying to make the hobby accessible to people and show them how to paint things. So I really enjoyed doing the guides. And I was very fixated on my guides about being as honest as possible with the stages as to how it should look and not trying to embellish anything to show off or anything like that. I wanted it all to be very honest. Um, So the TV thing kind of was a step up for actually showing how to do it. Um, So I I went for it because I had that in mind of like, oh, yeah, okay, so that means I can actually show in motion the thing that I want to show rather than just being a still photo. And that's surely going to be a better explanation for how to do it. but I didn't ask to do it. I was asked to do it. It was the, the lady who did our schedules and stuff came around and inquired, we, we're looking for someone to do this. Would you be willing? Um, and it turns out it was because my schedule was more free and flexible than anyone else's at the time. <laughs> um, but also I was told as well that out, apparently someone had looked and out of everyone I had the, the prettiest fingers. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't bite my nails or anything like that. Right. So. Uh, apparently that was another reason, <laughs> though how true that is, I don't know. Well, but yeah, the reason I, I, I heard was because of my schedule being free. Yeah, and it's uh, the fingers were important because at that time, with the way mm. the filming was done, and and I suppose still now we see more of your face mm. now. But at the time, it was it was very much just focused very tightly in on the fingers and the paint paintbrush and the model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to look after your fingernails. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and uh, when it all started, though, like when the you know the TV opportunity came along, at that time. Uh, I, I really want people to remember that G-Dub was in a different space in terms of the relationship with the community. It's very easy mm. now to see the there's this great sort of responsive relationship. There's a lot of Facebook. There's a lot of G-Dub community, um, you mm. know, communication with the with the the audience, I guess. But at the time, it wasn't really like that. So was it was it mm. a little bit scary or daunting, kind of stepping into that space given the environment? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was terrifying. So I'm a I'm quite a sensitive guy, you know. I'm I'm actually quite introverted. So going on a big public stage is a very unnatural thing for me to do, um, and uh, so I was quite worried about, um, not not necessarily about being taken to and like people like as weirdly what's happened like i you know, wasn't concerned about would that sort of thing go on i was concerned about would people hate me because there was a lot of negativity towards games workshop because the perception was games workshop didn't want to talk to the people who were buying the miniatures right um now that wasn't necessarily true it's just that uh, i don't think it was really fully understood at that point how best to handle social media because sure you, know, you gotta remember social media is still a relatively new thing and people are still adapting to it now so back then um it was all very very new and very wild um so yeah, at the time, the company was trying not to have any kind of celebrity appearance with anything. Um, so even the novels wouldn't have the author written in them. But then it comes along to me. And because of the way that Roger wanted to shoot this to give the impression that it's like an approachable, friendly guy who's going to show you how to do everything to kind of associate a face to it, 
he was he fought for getting my name on it because he was arguing that without a, a name to this face it's not fair on the face firstly it's also weird because who who is this guy who's telling you things like you need to understand so um at the time for i don't know maybe two years my name was the only thing that games workshop put out there um which was weird so yeah i was very scared of the fact that i'd then become the focus of everyone's ire towards games workshop and as it turns out it was the complete opposite is what happened because it was taken as games workshops now talking to people and showing them how to do stuff um and helping them enjoy their hobby so you know thank god for that yeah because if it gone the other way i don't know how i would have handled it <laughs> yeah do you know what it's funny though a lot of people in there and i i'm very similar like my job is is very you know public facing and i'm mm. i've got my mm. face on billboards and the backs of a bus around town mm-hmm. but i'm exactly the same like I, if, if someone came up to me and said i hate what you do i'd, <laughs> I'd probably shut myself in my yeah. room for a week i just you yeah you know there's a lot of people in the in the medium who are who, who would say we are introverts, which surprises folks, mm. I think. Yeah, it's, I imagine you find the same. It's, it can get exhausting um, being a public face. And you, every now and then you just have to kind of retreat and hide from everybody. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you would never, yeah. never want to – it feels like you're complaining about something that you shouldn't when you, yeah. say, when you say those yeah. things out loud. Because uh, as yeah. people often say, you know, about the job and you say, well, look, it's – it's something I've always wanted to do, and I love it. And it beats digging ditches. Like it beats actually working for a living. But there are definitely days where you go, yeah, you know what? I just want to, I just want to yes. stay here and not go out anywhere. And but yeah, um, it's a very very odd thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. But now I, I want to ask about Roger because you you mentioned him mm. right at the start. He's he's part of the the project that you're doing now. But he's been mm. he's been there all along. Who is Roger? Mm, okay, so Roger is the, the TV crew guy who, back when the TV studio was setting up, was, um, I believe, the very first employee of it. So this is kind of like way before Warhammer Community. Um, it all sort of grew out of TV, I think is fair to say. Um, and he was always like pushing for it. And even when he applied for the job, because he, he was elapsed, um, he'd, he'd studied video editing and things back when he was in university. Um, but this was a, quite a long time ago. This was in South Africa, too, because he's South African. So the technology's moved on quite a bit. So he had to relearn loads of things to be able to do it. Um, but what he did, um, what got him noticed when he was doing his application is that he was focused on, on what we want to do with this is to show people the miniatures and how cool they are. And that's what it's all about. So there's no like fancy, dramatic things about it. It was all about, I want to show these miniatures. I want to show how people paint them. I want to show them how you game with them and things like that. So he got his shot in through that. And so then he was always pushing for, well, we can do painting videos. This is a great medium to show it. And then I come along also going, yeah, I just want to show how to paint the miniature. And so the two of us fit really well together. And it became a bit of a passion project between the two of us. Um, and then it just, <laughs> because it was such a, it was such a small, there was only three of us in the department when I joined. And it had been going for a year or two at that point as well. Yeah, so he, I mean, he trained me with all the presentation stuff. He coached me through it. He gave me homework to do to get better at it. Um, he would he introduced me to the concept of all these different camera angles that he'd want so that he can have shots that gives him um, so when I'm doing my part um, there's active shots I'm aware of that I'm trying to give him the option so when he does the edit he can edit it together taking these various different shots so it's a bit like driving a car of managing all these things at once but he went through the whole process of training me all these different things all these skills and stuff and the actual way the videos ended up looking was through a long process of us working together on it and kind of honing it so none of the shots are by accident. They're all like deliberately designed for particular things. Yeah. So he's had a huge impact on it behind the scenes. But because he was behind the camera, no one was aware he was there. 
So I was always feeling really guilty of people coming to me and going, oh, Duncan, that latest painting video was amazing. And I'm like, oh, thanks very much. Here's Roger. He's hugely responsible for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great so, that, you, yeah. that, you, that you're so willing to share the credit. And again, it speaks a lot about who you are. When you, yeah, when yeah. you guys first started doing this, and yes, there was a bit of trepidation and there was a bit of, on your part, you know, a little bit of concern, it must have been wonderful then to see the, the, the reaction that you got, this this hugely positive reaction to the videos you were doing. And, and then what, what came from that in terms of Warhammer community? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, Warhammer community kind of started um, through a, like a team were doing it and it kind of um, grew into the TV thing and it all sort of combined together and then more and more things got plucked into it. Um, and yeah, they just started pushing my name on it. And I'm, it always kind of amused me that they were doing that. I'd stay um, sort of unaware of it and just doing my job. Um, everyone around me would be kind of aware of it. Um, and so I'd hear it through trickling that and become more aware of how it was going in hindsight. But uh, yeah, at the time, I mean, when we first put up the first few videos, I wasn't allowed to look on the internet as to what people were saying about it. Um, but I think Roger was doing, and then I gradually got like told, yeah, you can go and check it out. And I think people were checking to make sure people were being nice about it. Yeah. So I wouldn't go and walk into, you know, um, a pit of doom or anything. Um, but yeah, it just sort of like grew and grew and grew. And I'd, like I say, I'd just carry on doing my job um, day in, day out, doing these videos and things, explaining how to do things. And it didn't really hit home until I ended up, well, until people started recognizing me in public. And I'd start hearing stories about what it, what it helped them do and achieve in their hobby. And then when we started getting sent to these shows and things, when Warhammer Fest started, and all of a sudden I had people asking for me to sign things for them and stuff, I was like, what on earth is going on? This is very strange. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, I'm yeah. fascinated by the, the whole cult of celebrity thing within Warhammer because you're very, like, mm. very famous within Warhammer circles. Mm. Um, yes. I don't know if you get recognized in the supermarket necessarily, but you certainly do at conventions. Uh, it would be difficult to go to a tournament as a player. Have you ever tried that sort of thing? Yeah, um, I have been to tournaments and things. Um, so when I was still working at Games Workshop, I went to a, a Lord of the Rings tournament um, along with um, one of the guys who works in the photography department at Games Workshop and um, well, a photography studio. And um, yeah, we, we joined in and we won the best painted uh, <laughs> thing. And that was really awkward. Man, I really don't like being in painting competitions because um, I, I was like, oh, I'm a bit uncomfortable with this. I'd rather not be in it. But the guy I was with, it was, you know, like, it was a huge deal because I'm like, oh, we're up for an award. Yeah. Um, but I suddenly realized that everyone's looking at me going, well, of course he's going to win it. And then I was like, if we win, they're all going to roll their eyes. If we lose, it's going to be a thing. Yeah. And uh, so I just sort of quietly have been trying to retreat from painting competitions yeah. ever since. Yeah, it's kind of a <laughs> no-win no situation things. for you. That is a, that's a tricky yeah. spot to be in. Yeah. Yeah, and it happened um, last year. I kind of forgot about it, but I went to, um, uh, I got um, these guys in Stirling in Scotland. Then they saw that I was into playing Ice and Fire from Cool Mini or not. And uh, they invited me to this tournament. So I went along. And uh, yeah, they had a painting competition. And then it suddenly struck me of, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Do you, yeah. have any, do you have any funny fan stories? Have you ever had people bowl up to you in the street in like a, a place where you just didn't expect it or, you know, unusual things oh, go yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. Well, like you say, I, um, being recognised in supermarkets, that has happened. Um, <laughs> usually people are very polite about it, and I they, I just go, I'll go and talk to them for one reason or another. So there was, um, 
I was looking for directions. I was in Chesterfield. I was looking for directions to where I was supposed to be meeting my girlfriend. And I went into the shop. I can't remember what supermarket it was, but it was like a little um, place. And there was a counter next to the entryway. And I went in and I went, hello, could you direct me to this thing? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, thanks very much. You're welcome, Duncan. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, you're the guy in the videos. And so I had a chat with him. Um, I've... Um, the, the funniest one was, um, so my girlfriend and I were over in Poland and uh, we were on our way to what they call the milk bars, which are like a little um, breakfast bars that are kind of a leftover element of uh, back when it was communism there. Um, so it's like cheap little kind of place where you go in the morning to get breakfast and it's, um, you know, it's like, it's very, very Polish. It's very like it's part of the culture. So yeah. Like, yeah, let's go and try some of that. So she's taken me to one of these places to show me what they're like and things. And we're walking past a tram stop with a tram there. And this guy gets off the tram and he suddenly bumps into us and he goes, oh my God. And um, <laughs> he was, uh, he, he was like, you're Duncan. <laughs> like, hello. Yes, I am. Like, I've just been reading my Necron Codex. <laughs> oh my God. And, so yeah, good. so he's on his way to university and he's reading his Necron Codex. He gets off the tram and walked into me. Isn't <laughs> so it? I was funny. like, oh, wicked. Yeah. yeah. In we Poland, like it'd be the last thing you'd expect. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing with. Yeah. That's the thing with you. Like you can go anywhere in the world, and if there are Warhammer people there, they will know you mm -hmm. because you're you're the mm -hmm. guy. Do, so does do yeah. your videos get translated into other languages, or do you have subtitles in other countries? Or oh no, we've not mastered the subtitle thing yet. For it's a lot of work to do subtitles yeah. and to do transcriptions. It's a, it's a huge. It's um, it's easy to think oh, it doesn't take very long, but because of the fact that I'm talking in a very conversational way and occasionally use slang and things, translating it into another language doesn't necessarily fit. So whilst yeah. there's auto-translation things on YouTube, um, what we'd have to do is get to the point where we can hire someone to do transcriptions and things. And it's a big cost to be able to start doing that sort of stuff. Sure. So, not yet, unfortunately, but yeah. hopefully one day we'll be able to do something like that. Yeah, I'm, st I'm talking to you like, and you're answering the question as though you're still at GW, which is obviously not the case. Mm -hmm. But uh, So let's talk about that, <laughs> that leaving, that step of leaving. You've, you know, you, you've decided that you want to go and start your own thing. Mm. Uh, that must have, yeah. again, that's another scary kind of quite daunting decision to make, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, when the idea first did come up, like I was saying, I mentioned to my parents and, you know, talking to family about it like what do you think of this idea and i was surprised how positive everyone was for it because it like in my mind you know staying in the safe of the company would be a smart thing but um so roger for a long long time had a dream about wanting to run his own business and um he's often talked to me about it over the 10 years or so we've been working together and um <clears throat> we started thinking to ourselves you know could we do this kind of stuff as an independent thing because we we're becoming aware of how far reaching it had got um, and it was like through these shows and things. And we started thinking, you know, is there, could we take our ability on this and start applying it to other things? Could we do it for ourselves? And we, we got to the point where we sort of realized where, well, if we don't do it, then we'll always wonder if we could have done it. And it might fail, but we can, you know, hold our heads high and say, at least we tried. Um, so, yeah, we, we plucked up our courage and went for it. And um, thank God it's worked. <laughs> yeah, it really has. Were you surprised by the reaction from fans? You know, when you first said, uh, mm. I think there was a Twitter post where you kind of came out and said, look, there are rumours, and I just want to let you know that, yes, they're true, I am leaving. And it just went. Mm. Like the number of, the, the reaction was, was amazing, really. It was amazingly supportive, mm. I think, just looking through the comments. Twitter doesn't always do that, by the way. But, mm. but it really was a supportive <laughs> environment for you at that time, it felt like. It sure was. It sure was. Um, because I saw that some rumours were going around about it. Some people were starting to argue. 
um, like someone was saying, I've heard this, other people started to call names and things, and I was like, oh, I don't want to have this sort of negativity happening around with, around my name. So, I, I mean, I'd handed my notice in. I, I worked a month's worth of notice, and um, I think they, there was a sort of general idea of keep it quiet, but I just didn't, I just didn't feel ready to go and see what might happen when I announced it. Um, so I sort of kept it quiet. But when that started happening, um, my boss phoned up and was like, yeah, this is happening. You can say if you want to. So, okay. So I just posted that, yeah, I've seen this rumors going around. And yes, I am going um, with the intent being, please stop arguing about it. And then it just suddenly exploded into this huge thread of people saying stuff. And I was uh, quite overwhelmed, quite moved, really, about how uh, many people were uh, were talking to me about it. And I guess at that point, you know, I knew that um, I wanted to go and try something. And as soon as the new year started, as soon as I was technically unemployed, Roger and I started actually working on things. Yeah. Um, so I knew it was going to build to something, but that those three months or so were quite a, um, a scary period because success kind of relied upon the fact that people already knew who I was and what sort of stuff we do and getting people to be aware that Roger's there too and it's the two of us together doing it. Yeah. Um, so it was a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a hair-raising time. Yeah, um, I, I bet it was. Yeah. The, do you know what's interesting though is that it's funny talking to someone like you. You because you are a nice guy, then being a nice guy on camera is just the easiest thing in the world, and it doesn't seem like a very big deal to you. But you've you've been on camera as this just genuinely nice, helpful person for so long, and also part of uh, you know I got into the games workshop. I got into uh, Warhammer Forty K just at the very end of 7th edition. So all I've known really is this wonderful, responsive community, Nick Bainton and, and those guys just really being amazing mm. as part of the community mm. team. So, you know, when you announce you're leaving, it's just no surprise to me that people are like, oh, we, you know, they just like you. They want you to succeed. For you, it, it yeah, might be a, a surprise, but for us on the other side, when you said you were leaving, we were like, okay, how can we make this work for this guy? We like him. We want to be helpful here. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. It it means more than I could put into words. Really, it's um, it it's that people took me to their heart in such a way is um, in, incredibly um, valuable thing. I think, and yeah, it was it was quite moving. It really was. Yeah. I just suddenly saw all this outpouring of things, and it's like, man, I just want to show people how to paint their toys. That's really all I'm trying to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I can I can see how like the logical part of my brain can see how this is all like formed and attached and stuff but it's still it's like um it's not what my driving intent was to end up like that so uh, yeah it's um yeah it really was quite an incredible and still is quite an incredible thing the fact that this can work yeah. but it, it's quite it's always been like a real um i've always felt really happy about when um i've seen people saying that they met me and that I was exactly who I was on camera yeah. and I was still friendly and chatty and things like that. And I, uh, or at a show, they'd come and talk to me and say, he looked exhausted, but he still stopped and talked to me. And we had a nice chat about this sort of thing. Yeah. And I, that I find really meaningful because yeah, I, I don't want to, um, like the person I am on camera, it is me. And Roger was always very keen as well, that that's what we want to get across because you've got this friendly personality. That's what we want people to feel when they're interacting with what we're doing. So, um, I've always had been lucky in that way. I suppose that I can just be myself, but it is nice, and it's nice when people pick up on that when I actually meet them. Um, yeah, I think per, you know these days people can spot a fake as well. You know, you can you can tell when someone's mm -hmm. in, intent is not what they say it is, and uh, yeah, 
Yeah. I think being being as genuine as you are with the, with the intent to help and um, and but also we understand that you know you've got a you you've started a business so um, yes, there's, there's that yeah. side of it we've as well. To, we we've got to make a living. Yeah, you have got to make a living. <laughs> one of the interestingly one of the first videos I watched it might have been even one of the first ones you did for the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I, I couldn't quite get over it. It shocked me because you talked about using an army painter brush, and it was so weird to see you. Like saying oh, I'm going to use this paint, this brush from Army Painter because I like the way it does this and that. That was that was that a strange thing for you as well to suddenly have this whole world of recommending other products open up to you. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was suddenly strange when I had to start thinking to myself, "Oh yeah, I should introduce the brand of paint I'm using." Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And it amused me watching the reactions people had to it uh, because I've I've always been aware of all these different products and things. Um, obviously, when I was doing things for work, I'd use the products that the company was selling because it, it's common sense, right? So it's yeah. you know, using Games Workshop products and things. Um, but yeah, suddenly being able to use all these different things and different games as well. So it was funny when we did the, um, oh, what was it? It was the Stormtrooper for Star Wars Legion. Um, and see from people going, he knows that Star Wars Legion. Like, well, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But we're so used to seeing you say, you know, all you say is a fine detail brush or you get your whatever. Mm. Um, and then suddenly saying Army Painter. And weirdly, I think at that time, I had also recently spoken to Adam Abramowitz from Army Painter. Mm. And so yes. when you, and I'd been kind of talking to him and I thought, oh, maybe I should try. And then you weirdly, just out of the blue, go, I'm going to use this Army Painter brush. And I went, well, if it's good enough for Duncan then I'm going I'm <laughs> to climb on board with that as well. But there's a responsibility there too, isn't there? Because there will be people who go, well, if Duncan's using that, then I'll use it too. So you've got to... Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very odd. People have been... Um, they, beat for beat, will collect all the paints that we use specifically in a video, which is quite an odd thing to suddenly realise because we thought that people would just use whatever's close in their collection. But no, they want to use exactly what I'm using. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm suddenly like, well, I don't want to go and recommend any Duff products or anything. So I'm going to make sure that what I'm using is, you know, uh, what I'm actually using. And I'm, I mean, I'm not endorsing it as such, but sort of at the same time, I guess I kind of am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, while I've got you then, since you since you know what you're talking about, what is the, this comes up so often on Facebook. What's the best brush? The best oh, brush? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or do you not want oh, to say? <laughs> I want a piece of string. Um, I think the one I've ended up using uh, the most recently would be one of Army Painter's uh, regiment brushes, um, yeah. which can, it's worth noting that, so in case with any brush, when you go and buy them, um, even brushes in the same size um, type will have variations on the bristles. It's just a part of the brush making process. So um, it's always worth if you're going to buy a brush, if you can do it in person, because you can actually look at the brush and pick the one that suits you. Um, so I got a slightly smaller than average regiment brush, um, which I think I think there's actually something um, like off with its construction. So in the the ferrule uh, where it meets the actual handle is like a f- one or two bristles sticking out of it, which is kind of weird. Um, so it looks a bit like the Ugly Duckling, but it's the most incredible brush I've ever used. So we nicknamed it Excalibur, and it holds a point like nothing else. Wow. And this brush I can use to paint entire miniatures from start the base coats to painting the eyes. And I'm talking about like actual eyes, you know, with um, eyeballs and stuff. It holds that good a point throughout. Um, 
So that's probably the one that I find the most useful all purpose. But yeah. that said, there's, you know, depending on what you're doing, there's going to be a different one which is best for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do, do the companies like Army Painter or Citadel or Vallejo, I don't want to just focus on Army Painter, but there, there's a lot of them, right, that make paints and brushes mm. and whatever. Do those companies mm. ever come to people like you and say, hey, look, uh, you know, how can we make the product better or do you have any advice or do they, do they seek feedback from professionals? Um, yeah, they well, um, Army Painter do talk to us certainly. Um, Vallejo, we haven't spoken to, um, but yeah, they, they, they. If you have problems with the product or anything like that, or if you, you do have feedback for it, then yes, you can certainly say, um, I've had these issues and stuff, and um, we found as well with with multiple companies and miniatures and things like that. When my name's on it, it seems to carry weight, I guess. Yeah. Um, even though again, it feels really odd. But it, it means that it's the kind of thing where if you do think there's a thing, you can help do something about it, I suppose. But they're always open to, and wanting to make that product better. Um, and they're all good for different things, too. And as you're using the different ones, you find that the paints, like, uh, someone who's used Games Workshop ones for a while with Citadel, but you'll know that the paints, even the same type, like two base paints, they won't behave in quite the same way because different to get different colors, you have different chemical formulas in each of them. Yeah. And when you go to different manufacturers, you find that that expands even more. So you start to find particular paints work best for particular things. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting expanding horizons and seeing what different things are. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is interesting. And uh, yeah, you even see feedback from people about, uh, you know, this... So in one brand, the color red will be too runny or won't work, but in another brand, it's great, or the color green for a separate brand is perfect, but then other greens don't work. It's just a, you kind of have to find your own way with it a little bit, don't you? But um, Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm um, throwing my weight around with that, by the way. No, please don't think that that's what I, th I think. The, I guess the reason <laughs> I was asking is because it seems like the responsible thing to do if you're a company making something to go and ask the people who are using it all the time, the professionals, you know, uh, mm, what do you mm. think? And get some feedback, not throwing weight around, but just mm. getting feedback. The other thing that's interesting <laughs> that you brought up, if you put your name on something, it's a bit like the Jamie Oliver cookware. You know, you, but you, <laughs> you, so you'd have to be really careful about that because, again, being a, being a genuine person who cares about the end result, you don't want to be putting your name on something and then find out, well, maybe it's not as great as you thought it was. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, if I end up giving, um, like, if my if I was associated with something that turned out to be like not up to standard or like. Um, cause bad results things like that I'd feel awful yeah I really would yeah yeah. so you've got to be and people again people don't we have to understand that for you to make that decision or just to say out loud that you like using something on a video mm. it, that bears a, a you know with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> I don't know <laughs> well yeah yeah I just I just hope that you know it's um it's nice that people trust the advice and things I'm giving, but it's always it's always done for a particular reason. Yeah. So, I mean, for example, with Vallejo paints, we'll use them when we're painting World War II stuff because we can say, well, this because Vallejo is very good at getting the specific color for that specific thing. And when it comes to historical things, people like having that specific color correctly. Right. So, you know, it's it's nice to be able to say, like, well, we're using this paint and stuff, and to know that you know we thought about it. There's a specific reason why we're using this one, so we recommend it. But that said, if you want to vary it, there's lots of other options out there. Sure. So. Well, listen. I feel like I've taken up enough of your your evening, and I, I really appreciate appreciate your time. It's lovely to be able to chat to you, and uh, and for people listening to the podcast to understand that you are you are just who you seem to be in the videos. Yeah. Well. Well. Thank you very much. It's um, yeah. It's nice to be able to talk and things like this, and it's actually it sometimes kind of inspires a bit of self reflection on things. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm just um, I'm always um, really touched about how the community 
supports this quite bizarre job that I have and <laughs> allow me to feed myself um, and and for taking to Roger as well since he's kind of like come in front of the camera a bit more yeah um, yeah it's a it really is a wonderful community and a wonderful hobby and I'm, I'm just really happy that I'm able to help people enjoy it well I, w- I would love for you to if there are days when you go in and you don't feel like picking up a paintbrush and doing it or you if there are ever times where you wonder if it's making any difference to anyone just remember that all the way on the other side of the world, you taught me to paint Magnus's wings and you taught me to paint Dark Elder <laughs> Flesh. Uh, and I love what you do and I really appreciate it. And, I, you know, it's, it's wonderful oh, to have you out there showing us how this stuff works. Oh, thank you very much. And that's it. Listen, thank you so much to Duncan Rhodes for his time. The Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy is on YouTube. Also, you can check him out at duncanrhodes.com. I've put a link in the show notes to this episode. If you enjoyed the chat with Duncan, please consider listening to the first series of shows. It's all at 40kgamechangers.com, which features guests like Lawrence Baker and Mike Brandt and Jim Vessel and the Tabletop Titans guys, among many, many others. And don't forget Signals from the Frontline at the Frontline Gaming Network. You're going to love Seth, Shelby and Kicker. Until next time, I'm Steve Joel. Thanks so much for listening. This has been 40K Game Changers. (laughs) 